previously on Worser Adventures Enmity. After delving into the Underdark, Petra and Lucas split up. Petra ran into a spiritual pond with some ghosts looking for a host. Lucas found himself in a corridor of traps and was dropped through the floor at the very same ghostly pond as Petra, where he helped her in defeating a dangerous, stalactite spirit. Next, they met a friendly and wise gnome seramorph named Nubis, who offered them guidance out the cavern. Lucas discovered that his magic could overcome the anti-magic ward on his hand, and so he used the Terra Wand to escape the caverns. And so the two enemies concluded their short-time partnership with a simple exchange. Lucas would give Petra the wand if she promised not to tell anyone about his ability to use magic. The hero and the villain returned home, one empty-handed and filled with confusion and excitement over his newfound power, the other with her first successful mission in her villainous career. Meanwhile, a very important message was sent to every citizen of Varsight. A dangerous and powerful being was born long ago and was reaching maturity somewhere among the masses. The henchmen that picked you up were very obviously stunned uh, by by the fact that you were successful. Uh, rain is coming down. It's it's uh, maybe an hour to midnight, and you got a you got a bit to travel. Victory is hard to come by for the syndicate, and even the lowly recruits had come to expect failure out of almost every mission. But what you had in your hands defied years of syndicate activity. This is a big deal. You make it home. I'm I'm so, I'm gonna skip the journey, uh, unless you really want to just like talk to, talk to these two guys. That's all right. Okay, cool. <laughs> Valipsis Deproft is standing at the door, ready to see you. Uh, that's that. She knows nothing so far. Okay, I would approach her very confidently, mm-hmm. and I would say, "Milady," and, pre- and present the wand. Her lips twitch, and then they start to curl up before lifting off one at a time. You start to see her razor-sharp teeth form into what is the first smile you've ever seen on this woman. Yes. (laughs) Almost without saying a word, or if she said a word, it just, like, wasn't important enough because the excitement was so overwhelming. You are presented to almost the whole of the Department of Seekers. The rain satisfyingly patters on the windows of the compound. The thunder nearly applauds your work. My darling, sweet Petra. Petra Parakeet, you have completely passed our expectations. This calls for certain changes to be made. We'll we'll need to speak to the higher-ups, but if if you can keep up this work, we'll we'll find a way to cultivate your... uh, raw talent into something truly powerful. However, did you receive, did you achieve this relic? I was able to use my wits down under. 
Well, by whatever means it was, it's a great success for all of us. And the room explodes with applause, and you are welcomed home. Uh, there's some nice food. You're given slightly better, like, you know, portions that night than you normally might receive, especially because it's so late. Uh, and about an hour later, you know, super late in the night, you have finally returned to your room. Now, Boom is nearly bouncing off the walls. Uh, his pride and, like... Probably also surprised that you've come back at all is extending past any excitement he might have for like the actual success. Mm-hmm. Um, you're able to, like just get a read on that because you know, and he's he's talking to you and stuff, and he's just like very excited. Can you make a perception check for me? Sure. What did you say to make a perception check? A perception check. Twelve. Twelve. Okay. Um, he seems to be like his eyes like dart sometimes, and then like just while he's talking to you, uh, but then he kind of. Like catches himself and he like shakes off like any any anything else on his face and he just smiles at you. Um, this is I mean this is amazing. What a what a big what a big day for you, huh? Yeah, um, I'll be honest. I'm quite happy. I haven't felt this like joyous in a very long time. I know. Um, are you okay? Has the day been okay? Oh uh, yeah, no, it's been good. And he kind of scratches his his uh, friendship bracelet. Um. A little bit, and then he he scratches his head like with it because now that he notices he brought attention to his wrist. Mm-hmm. He's a little like meek here, and he's like, "I just I notice you still have your bracelet on, is all." Do I believe that that's all? Do do an insight check, yeah. See what you what you feel about him. Eighteen. Eighteen. Um. No, he he's actually just really touched that you still have the bracelet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, maybe he got bit it. by a zombie digging up a grave and he's trying to cover it up. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, no, no, nothing quite like that. He suddenly there's just like this like wash of excitement over his face as he as he has like a realization. He says, Oh goodness, did you read the letter yet? The letter. Letter? Yeah, like um the, oh, the letter. Oh, like um no, I've not heard of a letter. And uh, Cassandra enters in uh, what looks like standard issue, like Melon postal uniform. Okay. Uh, and hands you a small egg white parchment. Thank you. Ooh, I think. Yes. Thank you. It was a big day for all of us. Uh, was it? And you begin to, I mean, yeah. So you begin to read what is the contents of episode three, essentially. It's a letter addressed to all of ours. Can you make, I guess, I guess even, yeah, make a wisdom saving throw. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> a natural one. A natural one. Okay. Well, so as you read, eventually the <laughs> voice inside your head that reads it is replaced with a voice you've never heard before, but judging by its tones, you decide must be the voice of the author, which is Valderos Supreme, as he kind of takes over reading this thing and strikes you with a great amount of fear that doesn't quite feel natural, like what you're reading, especially since like you like these things, but it seems there's some kind of enchantment within the words that elicits fear from you, and it lingers for a little bit, and you can kind of decide where that goes, but that's within your brain, is this little seed of fear. All right. Oh, well, that's, that's really exciting. Um, did this happen recently, like, just now? Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, Hassandra went out. Hassandra's closed the door, like, just as he's talking. Uh-huh. Um, 
Are we now in, you know, made sure the letters get in? It was sent to every person in Varzai. Hmm. Yeah. It's good stuff. Kind of really kind of rattle the cage a little bit, I think. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so you you read this letter. The message of it... I mean, it goes on some tangents. The contents of the letter are intense. What they lay out is basically um, the concept of, like, hexy that some people are born with and without magic is not true. Um, or at least not true to its fullest extent. Like, a lot of people are just, like, it's probably subconsciously suppressing their magic. Um, and it's like, that's in there. But there's also this foreboding message of, like, what, what Valdero calls... The Rapture, which is a beast or a monster that he's uh, his father created and is reaching its its point soon and is basically going to be Varzite's Rapture and plunge it into chaos indefinitely. Um, reading this, this letter, especially with my natural one, like you could definitely see um, Petra's like eyes twitching a lot. Like, just a lot of, like, spasming in her face that she can't control. Um, Boom would probably notice that and have recognized that as um, episodes she's had in the past. Sure. He, he's, he's like, oh, oh, wait, they just one second. He steps in his room and he comes back with a cold glass of water and, uh, like, a little, a little uh, white flaky pill. Okay. <laughs> in pill form. She's like, I, um, this, nope, this will help. <laughs> um, this will help with some of the effects of the uh, like the fear-induced element of it all. Help okay. me kind of calm down a little bit. Thank you. I take it. And take it, and like instantly, like the magical effects of it are quelled. Mm-hmm. It unfears you. Okay. Uh, he seemed to have understood the nature of the magic at hand. Uh, and had a little had a little contingency plan for you. <laughs> All right. She's sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, on another part of this world, uh, the carriage drivers knew better than to ask you what had happened. They could read you pretty well. Uh, they could tell something on your face that, that 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 something bad had happened, and you drove, and they didn't say anything. Uh, the rain pitter-patters all across the forest. By the time you got back to HQ, it was nearly one in the morning, so a long drive for you. The rain had not let up for hours, and as you walked, soaked into the dungeoning department's stone walls, you suddenly had felt that these walls were a little more sterile than they had felt in the past, a little less welcoming. Uh, from the outside, you can, you can see that only one of the rooms... Uh, light seem to be on as orange light pierces from the darkness, and you identify that as likely Madame Vaxelhide's office on the second floor of this building. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Where we're at? Cool. Uh, a guard instructs you to uh, head up to her office following the mission. Uh, and as you make your way up the stairs, getting closer and closer, you're alone, it's almost pitch black dark, uh, you are stopped in your tracks by Sir Humplesop the knight in charge of your specific dungeoneering party. Uh, he says, oh, my boy, I'll wait there a minute. What? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, at first thing, he's like looking a little sweaty and he's always a little sweaty. <laughs> um, but go do an, an insight check for him. Give me an insight roll. Sorry, I didn't have my thingy up. 
Uh, that's an eight. An eight. Okay. No, this it, is it probably just a little warm. Sure. Sure. <laughs> you know, on this freezing, raining night. Uh-huh. Maybe it's just rain. Maybe it's just rain. Yeah. Um. Oh, Madame Vaxelhide is is sort of busy at the moment with some uh, stuff that's come up rather recently. But I, I'm here to debrief you on on the mission. How did it go? Um. Well, it it um. It it didn't didn't. Uh, well, you know. Um, yes. Nobody's po- perfect and everything. Uh, I. I did not uh, recover the Terra wand. Hmm. Um. The 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 agent from the Syndicate of Secrets sort of got one over on me. They had some some nasty tricks up their sleeve and uh, just didn't 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 happen this time, you know. Ah, uh, what? Why don't you, you take a seat here? And he kind of pats down on, on a stone Is bench a, thing. Okay. That's <laughs> uh, just like a few feet away from Matt and Baxley's door. Sure. Yeah. Listen, son, you. We know you, you want very badly to be a hero. Uh, you've worked very hard. I, I mean, you, you always seem to do all right at, at school. I know you've got this far without ever really getting injured yourself, but I, I have to level with you. There's been two times you've gone into the depths of a dungeon and didn't come out with some sort of story about an incident where stuff went wrong. Uh, there was most recently with the chalice, and, and then there's the, the one we don't talk about, the, the Baltimore Borough prank dungeon. R- remember, we, we went in, th- there was no relic at all. It was really embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and anyways, um, in truth, it's... Lucas, you hear voices uh, as he's talking to you, as he's kind of giving the speech uh, from behind Madame Vaxelhide's door and see uh, what what looks like several shadows shuffling about uh, at the crack of the bottom of the door. You can also hear some voices from within, but you don't really get a good grip on them, at least not right now. So if you want to do a perception check, uh, sure. listen closer. Yeah, I'll give a... I guess I will try to listen in. Uh, perception... That's a 13. Uh, 13. Um, that's enough to... Uh, hmm. You hear in a human voice of someone who's... It's, it's not incredibly unfamiliar. Uh, you hear... Yeah, possible... Back... Father... And then... Uh, chalice... Terry... Uh, you hear... Anything, we can troops, and then, um, already magical activities. Rexy ability, and then I guess, yeah, that's probably where it ends until you hear a, a humph, which most definitely the last voice you know is Bitma's. But the mm. others sound like a whole mix of people. Okay. Um, that and again, it's not entirely unfamiliar. Uh, but Humplesop sighs, and he looks at you with just a tired look in his eyes, and he asks, "Is there anything you want to tell us?" Um, it. I mean that. Uh, well, that 
dungeon turned out to be maybe a little more than than we bargained for. I, I suppose the whole thing kind of collapsed and uh, ended up having to crawl my way out of the underdark. But uh, so that uh, my goodness, I mean that sounds yeah. It, uh, <laughs> was wasn't my day, you know. Um, but um, listen, I it's no secret you've had trouble maybe fitting in here at the department, and I can't blame you. It's nothing to be ashamed about. I think we've I've definitely had my trouble back in back in my earlier days of of finding a, a place that fit me. Uh, but the point is, we we were considering putting you. Um, Putting, putting you perhaps on a, on a slightly different route than you might have envisioned when you when you came here after night school. What what would that entail? It it would entail a lot, but um. Right now, we want you to go home. Take take a moment. You've been working very hard, almost nonstop. Take take a moment and rest. Remind yourself of what you're fighting for and. Take it easy. After a week or so, we'll we'll probably put you on 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 town duty. You know, classic work. Start being evil where it resides, and when it pops its ugly head out of its hiding hole. Uh, do, do you think you can handle that? Um, Lucas kind of you know he takes a second to to consider this, and then um, he he. Brings himself to a small smile and says, "Well, I, I guess every hero has to start somewhere. I think I, I think I can handle that." Yes. Well, I, I, I know certainly that I. What he goes into, he goes into a story you've a thousand percent heard before. It's a story <laughs> of how he got picked up with the Knights of an Amnesty. Um, so you can choose to listen to this story, or you can choose to tune it out and pretend to listen and instead try to overhear more of what's going on behind Madame Backslide's door. Because the arguments in there are getting a little more intense, uh, and you think you have a good chance of tuning that out to be able to just hear what's going on in there. Yeah, I think, I, I don't think Lucas wants to hear this story right now. I think he wants to... Yeah. Listen in on what's going on. Cool. Uh, yeah, do another perception check. Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. And it's pretty clear that people are talking a little clearer now. They've kind of missed some of their their like cues to be hushed and to be whispering to one another. Uh, someone says, the last time something like this happened, uh, and then a voice comes in, the last time something like this happened, we didn't even have the Knights of Amnesty. We're built to handle this. We'll be fine. And that voice you identify as the confident voice of Sir Georgie Galahad Jr. Understand this. The fear you felt was not sparked by the words themselves. If we want to handle this, we need to buck up and figure out exactly what we're facing. Uh, the contents of the letter wasn't necessarily any different from the typical ramblings of the Supremes. Uh, what else was going on in this letter? We figure that out, we figure out what his real plan is. Uh, now this has been enough deliberation. We have towns in crisis that need knights to help with action. Meeting adjourned. Um, the door bursts open, and you immediately, it's iconic, you know who this is. The Knights of the Circle of Trust, which is like the highest circle of, of, of knights in, in the castle, uh, Amnest and all of that, 
um, they exit in fabulous fashion. So there's, uh, of course, Madame Bitma Vaxelheim, the dwarven woman from the Underdark, who, uh, you know, is the head of the Department of, of you know, dungeon delving and all that, dungeoneering. There's Sir Ter- Terry Tinklewar. Uh, he's a human man. He's known for his like, like glamorous display on battles. Uh, there's Crichton uh, Aquavius, um, who's a water genasi. He's been praised for their heroism of the sea, uh, rumored to have been delivered to the knights as a baby on a sailing boat. Oh. That's them. Uh, there's Madame Kira Stoneface, who's a Goliath of the mountains, known for infallible memory. Madame uh, Nimble Toothfay, who's an elven woman who fought during the Mage Wars. Uh, it is kind of old for the like, humans, but you know, it's at elves. Uh, there's Sir Savin Malenkoff, who's a darkly cloaked man with thick gloves, who's kind of known for his mysterious past and all of that. And then there is, of course, Sir Georgie Galahad Jr., who is the highly praised and highly experienced knight whose father kind of began the Knights of Amnesty when he defeated Rexical Supreme, kind of the father to Valdoro Supreme, 100 years ago. So, that's that. It's a display of power and confidence. It's just carried by this team. It clears your mind of, like, a lot of the anxieties that have been going on regarding the situation, regarding the wand, regarding your magic. Like, suddenly it's like, boom, because your heroes have just entered the room and like they got flowing cloaks and stuff. So they're walking past, determined to save some lives. Capes and dresses and uh, cloaks whip past you and almost none of them really take notice of you except for actually Sir Malenkoff towards the back who kind of briefly looks towards your way with a bit of a confused face before shaking and looking forward once again. Uh, the door closes and all the excitement is gone. Sir Humplesop swallows in his throat and says, <laughs> Uh, you, you can pack in the morning, uh, and there's a letter for you on your desk. Uh, everyone else got to read it, and you might as well. Sure, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, good night, sir. I'll see you in the morning before I head off. Cool. Um, and Lucas, like, you know, he returns to his dorm, and um, his dorm is, is messy usually, but he still usually takes good care of his, his sword and his, mm-hmm. like, knight's armor. I think he is very sort of precious towards those things, but I think tonight his sword and shield kind of just get tossed haphazardly on his desk and he sheds his armor and just kind of lays it wherever it falls on the floor as he grabs this letter and lays in bed and starts to read it. Sure. Uh, You unfold the parchment and begin reading a letter like no other. Make a wisdom saving throw. I'm not going to roll on this. I've read this letter. This letter freaks Lucas out. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, you feel the fear rise in you as the voice of Voldoro Supreme reads the passages in your head. Hey, hey. Didn't, didn't see you come in. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. Uh, hey there, it's Jonathan, you know, from the Worser Adventures that you've been listening to. Thank you so much for listening to this, episode four of Worser Adventures Emnity. We're uh, very excited about the story we've been telling. Uh, we know last week was kind of a weird, different thing, but thanks for uh, sticking with us, and we hope you uh, liked that little bit of character work we did. Um, just popping in the middle here, again, saying thank you so much for listening. Make sure you check us out over on Instagram. We've got a lot of fun stuff we've been posting over there. We've got animations. And there's a this fun little, little feedback form in our, our bio that you can fill out. And then you can get an NPC named after you. And we'll even do a little spotlight post for you. 
So, uh, so yeah, thank you again for listening, and we'll get on with the story. Well, we will, and we do have some NBCs to shout out, because we want to shout those out like in the episodes that they appear in. Uh, there's none for this episode, but last it well, uh, Bennett the town person was an NPC spotlight uh, of our good friend Bennett. He was the, the boy who read the letter to his family. And then JK, is uh, the courier, uh, was the spotlight of our friend uh, KJ. Uh, fantasy names. <laughs> fantasy names. <laughs> uh, so thank you guys so much for the support. We really appreciate that. Kind of, It's just a way to say thanks to our friends because people who talk to us about the show and, and make us feel good about it, we want to make sure you, you feel that we appreciate you. Yes, we, we value your feedback and we thank you so much for listening. And hey, I'll say it because I will. Uh, we love you. Oh, we love we you. Love That's you. so cute. And we Here's would a hug. Oh, a hug. A hug. Oh goodness. Oh goodness. <laughs> All right, get back to the show. Back to the story. Back to the show. Get out of here. Pew 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 pew. following week was as strange as any in your life. Lucas, you were sent back home, were you able to see your family, and Petra, you began training with an old friend, Randall. That man, uh, who met you at a new secret training facility, kind of brand new. Both of you incidentally, uh, or sorry, both of you immediately packed your things and left Tick Terry behind, if even for just the moment. Uh, so Lucas, you are home, you're at your house in... Maylon? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are things there? Because, all right, real quick, Maylon, uh, that's the big city. Yes. I think there's not too much more I need to say about it. I mean, it's it's the center of most things mm-hmm. as stuff kind of shifted away from the castle, which is, like, a good ways out of, like, the center of population these days. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's a modern world. We, everything probably needs to be in a good city place. Yeah. So that's a big city. Uh, Maylon is where you are. Tell me, tell me about what it's like when you got home. Like, what's your what's what's the situation? I think when Lucas got home, uh, he you know he probably arrived you know midday or so, mm-hmm. um, and I think he started headed straight for the the MSW, the Maylon Safe House for Women that his mother runs because I think he just he wanted to see his mom first. Uh, okay, he couldn't. He he's he was very nervous to see his dad after essentially getting demoted at the Knights of, of Amnesty. Right, and right. So I think he he went straight there just to to see his mom, mm-hmm. and and uh, so yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's 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 trying to keep a good face, a you know, a good sense about it. But he is very kind of ashamed and embarrassed that he's okay. back home. Sure, uh, sure. You know, whenever someone asks, like, "Oh, Lucas, what are you doing home?" It's it's kind of a like, well, you know, they they needed me here, kind of thing. Yeah, but he's he yeah. he very much tries to steer the conversation away from that question. Sure, and then he goes home and cries. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I think it's been. But he's a fire genasi, so it's like cool. It's like cool magma tears. Fire causes house fires every yeah. time he gets a little upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a fire extinguisher in the corner uh-huh. here. <laughs> Instead of tissues, it's just him like spraying a fire extinguisher in his face. Uh, so Archibald Marigold is your father. Uh, yes. Which you know, but I know, do know. This is an audio format. Uh-huh. So. Uh, he one day, it's been a couple days, and 
you know, he's been kind of giving you space so far, but one day he pops in, in that dad way. Uh, <laughs> Archibald's left eye is half closed from a scar he earned long ago uh, in his time adventuring. Uh, and, he, and he pops his head into the door of your room, and he gives you that award-winning smile as he slowly kind of enters. Uh, Dare I enter the lair of the beast? Doss this dragon or devil bear traps for minions or mighty magic to strip me of my life. Only if you're brave enough to... to. <laughs> he enters your room uh, and he pulls... And he uh, doesn't look at your sword. He pulls it off the wall and he's inspecting the rock that you've grafted into the handle. Uh, he says, you know, it's it's probably horrible for balance, having something like that in your blade. Uh, yes, I've, I've been told that. Um, I don't know, it seems to seems to work work for me. I guess I've gotten used to it, and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's my lucky rock, you know? He gives you a smile, the same proud and understanding smile he usually gives uh, whenever you offer an explanation for one of your kind of quirks like this. Uh... You know, I remember starting out, and he's still kind of looking at the blade. Well, I struggled in school a lot. I was so accustomed to our learning institutions on the islands, I could, I could hardly keep up with how they did things at the Hero Academy. Your grandfather used to, to take me to our schools under the water, using great brass bells to sink ourselves to the ocean floor, where volcanic formations burble with hot magma, hidden by the water. Great whales and manta rays gave us our lessons. Lessons in the fundamentals of life. Lessons in living. They taught us the tenets of fire. Passion, power, and heart. So your father has, has never spoken about his time before emigrating to Varzite so freely. Uh, it's almost shocking to hear him talk about, like, essentially the magical elements of his life. Mm -hmm. uh, that for most your life he has, like, never really shared anything about. Uh, I was so eager to prove that I could fit the model hero when I joined the academy. Uh, but being in the first graduating class, there, there were no standards set except by the exceptional knights of the mage wars. I, I tried so hard to fit in that I failed harder than all the rest. I didn't have a successful dungeon delve throughout my entire adventuring career. I, I, I would have never been good for anything if it wasn't for your mother. And, and he goes into a story uh, that becomes more and more familiar as the family folklore once more comes into your life, uh, or comes to life through your father's depiction. Uh, it's a story you've definitely heard before. There I was, an angry and confused wannabe knight who knew nothing but failure. I ended up taking some time out of the city, out of the city, uh, wanting to get away from the pressure of my parents. I, I almost felt like quitting. The young man was fighting for nothing, and that's when the monster attacked. A great two-ton frog attacked the little village I was staying in. The, the beast destroyed small farms and toppled buildings before stealing your mother from her family's home. If you ask me, I think the frog thought she was a princess. It's the only thing that makes sense, in my opinion. Uh, I had only seen your mother in passing. She sold fresh produce in the market every day with her little sister. I looked through the hole in my roof as I saw the frog monster flying away with that little something in its claws, making its way back to its tower, and I knew what I had to do. 
You see, back in these days, the smaller towns had hardly any guards to protect the people from threats as big as this for so long that success and failure was all I could think about as a hero. And now something else was entering my mind. Power, passion, and heart. These would become my new tenets of heroism, and I would never fight a day in my life without them. My journey was far from over, but finally I knew how to begin. The journey towards becoming a hero, in honesty, is a simple question. What sort of hero are you? And he holds out his sword to you, uh, like, like for you to take the hilt. And he says, what kind of hero will you become? Randall is almost always smiling, and he he almost always says the right thing. He's the second most cheerful person you've ever met who works for the Syndicate. The first, of course, being Billy and Boom Boomhammer, right? Classic uh, Boom. Classic Boom. Your lesson began in a graveyard uh, during broad daylight. Uh, Randall kind of strokes his, his goatee as he takes a step off of the bench he's been sitting on. Ghosts can, can be quite helpful allies. Uh, as you can imagine, having an understanding of the spiritual realm of undeath has all sorts of advantages. Uh, a phantom exists between our world and the world of the dead. Now, given the right amount of respect and control, they can grow to help you in your ventures. Uh, tell me, do you have any experiences with ghosts? I look over the Hinklemeyer. <laughs> yeah. see Hinklemeyer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look back at Randall like it. I've dabbled. Uh, uh, ghosts listen most to a, a soul in torment, you see. Um, someone who's tearing themselves apart is, is often an attractive host for, for ghosts in need. Oh yeah, you're totally full of conflict. Very easy to attach to. You kind of never stood a chance, to be honest. Inglemeyer has now <laughs> appeared next to you. Mm-hmm. Um... The training, the training continues from there as you get introduced to this idea of, like, you've been attached by a ghost, and the idea is that you can use that along with, like, ghosts anywhere, especially like, if you see someone dying or, like, see a dead body. Like, you can attach to that ghost and use it uh, for assistance and all of that. Um, so he... So Randall... And Hinkelmeyer at this point is just also enjoying the lecture because he's not found himself particularly useful thus far in kind of the training. Uh, but Randall leans down, uh, and he kind of gestures for you to lean down with him as you inspect a small caterpillar. He says, uh, now, I, I know nothing about bugs and stuff, but uh, there's someone who does, and his voice trails as he holds up a small wooden hook. Uh, he closes his eyes and speaks softly, as though he was speaking to the wind. And then he says, what is this? And he waits a moment. And then he wipes a gentle tear from his cheek and declares, Heliconius Charitonia. I, if I'm saying that right, that, that's the caterpillar name. It's, it's the caterpillar to the zebra long-winged butterfly. How do you know that? I don't, but... And he gestures to the, to the little hook again, the little trinket. He says, but I, I once knew someone who did. Hmm. And he puts it back. Uh, some more of that kind of stuff trains as he shows you kind of the general a aspects of it. If you kind of wanted a long-term one, you could you could obtain like a trinket or something that belonged to them. 
and essentially use that as like a, a method to call them back more long term than like just gesturing to where a ghost is, essentially. So you're led into the forest, um, and eventually uh, you've done some some stuff, but like the idea is since this ability kind of gives you gives you a chance to tap into someone else's knowledge or expertise, uh, the question is, what is what does Hinkelmeyer have expertise in? So right now you're just kind of wandering in the in the in the Varzak forest looking for trouble essentially looking for uh something that could you could use is expert decent hmm were you good at flips oh um okay did you have a pet cat uh yeah one time was he nice uh, I don't think he really liked me very much. I, I wasn't home too often, so he, he fed himself. Is there anything you're good at? Uh, well, I was a medic, and, and I worked with animal handling. <laughs> well, that's why I was asking if you were good with animals. <laughs> uh, and that's when you come across a little, like, path of what looks like partially dried blood. And the blood has an iridescent glow to it. Uh, hmm. Randall leans down and kind of looks into it. You uh, should clutches. lick the blood. <laughs> no. I think you should lick the blood. No, that's something Lucas would do. It's too late because Randall's already doing it. And oh. he's, uh, he's clutching, once again, the hook. And he says, it's unicorn blood. Unicorn blood. Yeah, we should... Let's follow this. Yes. Yeah. Um... <laughs> You you see uh, there's a unicorn laying in a small little patch of grass in the wood. Uh, it looks it's not dead or anything, but it's definitely injured. Uh, and there's a snake dead next to it that looks like it was stamped on. Um, but you see there's a large kind of uh, wound, blood wound from this like large snake, as the the unicorn is kind of clearly in pain. So now using this cool new special feature. Uh, as you level up to level three, kind of right now, immediately, um, you you could use your thing to have, you know, what is it called? Proficiency. Proficiency in animal handling and medicine. If or. you if you call and I'm I'm amending it as long as you're talking to Hinkelmeyer. This is so. This is uh, your subclasses: Phantom, Rogue. Which is super cool, but we are kind of amending it a little to make it, you know, just just a little freer, so we can just do a lot of stuff with it. Because I think it's cool. Uh, I think it's an interesting well of ability. The unicorn is lying there. The snake is dead. Uh, it's not you're not 100 percent sure what's wrong with the unicorn right now, but you're pretty sure it's dying. Okay. Um, this reminds me of a story. Um, bend over. Can I look in space? <laughs> can I look in space? When did Bend over enter the scene? <laughs> can I inspect Stupid. the unicorn? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you want to do? Animal handling or medicine check? A medicine. I want to see if there's a way I can help it. A medicine check. Go ahead and roll medicine and add your proficiency bonus. I'm still learning. A five. A five? Yeah, it looks bad. It looks like an ouchie. Ah, mm. uh, ouchie, right, Hinkelmeyer? Uh, yeah, here, um, you're gonna wanna... Uh, is it you, just too late? Is there a healer's kit? Um, I don't have one. Do you have one, Randall? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have one. Uh, lucky thing, too. Uh, 
So you start being told how to use the Healer's Kit along with it, which is when the animal kind of starts shaking. The horse, it's like kind of freaking out. It's like a little uncomfortable with you being up in its grill. Roll an animal handling check. With your proficiency bonus thingy. I just don't have a high wisdom and these are <laughs> Oh, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, nine. Nine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like rearing back its buck. And it, so what that means for this is you are eventually successful in kind of healing the unicorn. And it heals up and it walks away a little scared. Uh, and it takes, it takes a good amount of time, but it's something that like, if you were on your own without at least Hinkle Mai there, you know like you couldn't have done what you just did. And you did save the unicorn. I was thinking, I was like, he's back, the dog load. <laughs> <laughs> um that thing. That thing is So uh time continues. The week has been fairly chaotic because stuff has been intense. You've been doing a lot of training, uh Petra. Uh, meanwhile, kind of in the city and across Varzite, there's been a lot of, like, spurts of magical activity. It's been strange, but uh, there's there's kind of a lot of people trying to figure out what the system should be for that. Uh, Petra, you returned to Dungeoneering pretty shortly after uh, training with Randall. Uh, you had successfully raided a few crypts already. In a matter of days, you've, like, tripled your success rate. You received a cloak of invisibility. Not, like, for you, but, like, for the syndicate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a trident of fish command. Yes! All for the syndicate. Uh, something about the process, though, was leaving you feeling a little strange. Your foes were still present. They were still the Knights of Amnesty with the Dungeoneering Department. But they couldn't quite challenge you like Lucas would. Perhaps they didn't have the dedication or the skill or maybe just the luck. But something there is a kind of missing. And uh, it's up to you whether or not you decide that is a good missing or a bad missing. Uh, but it's definitely, it's obvious. It's present. It's like that mega mind missing. You know what I mean? Yes. When mega mind's like a when, that when is yeah. Mega man? That's the video game character. What's the hero's name in Girl, there? Girl, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, Metro Man. Metro Man. Metro Man, yeah. When Metro Man is dead, and uh, and he's like, man, I miss... Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. It's like, it's like, what's a villain without a hero? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I wonder where that twerp is. Uh, Boom says, what? I see. <laughs> oh, um... I'm in the dungeon with you. This ropes puzzle is real difficult, huh? Uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> he, like, swings past, like, foot tied in a rope, so he's, like, upside down, just like, Oh, yeah, I was wondering if you... I got it. I've got it. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in Melon, uh, Lucas, you're spending the night as a town guard. Uh, things have been getting spicy in the city. Like we said, more and more hexy are kind of being found, which is, like, super unheard of. Giving out lots of parking tickets? Uh, yeah. Your, your, <laughs> your particular post is incredibly uneventful. Nice. Uh, you always hear other guards kind of going, uh, talking about incidents happening around town, but where you're standing is, is like, the gates to a small community that's uh, mostly mercantile and some, like, you know, housing. Mm. Uh... You know, it's it's weird. There's a there are rumors in this part of town, kind of the the route back from his place back from where he's stationed back towards his house. There's a corner store where all of the ice cream keeps getting bought up every single night by this weird cloaked <laughs> sniffling figure. <laughs> all the gin and berries. 
Hey, 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 you there. You, you can't keep buying that on my stock. Please, please, sir. <laughs> persuasion check. How domestic. Uh, here we go, here we go. Persuasion 17. <laughs> All right, fine. My, but I'm really running out of stock here. <laughs> uh, so one day, you're you're watching the streets. It's daylight. Uh, you had a day shift. Which ends up usually being a little more boring, even the night shifts. Uh, and there's a there's a someone like leaving the, the the mercantile gates, and you see a kid like bump into them, and he's like, oh oh I'm, I'm I'm sorry. And then he turns and like leaves, and you see the kid turn, and you see like picked it, he picked his pocket, and he's got a whole wad of cash now. Lucas is like, got him, and starts <laughs> starts approaching this child. Sure, you approach. Uh, Excuse me, sir. Oh, 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 hello. Uh, I, I don't quite believe that that cash belongs to you, does it? It, it is mine. This is my cash. This is my buddy for the, for the bus. <laughs> now, come on, bud. Be honest. Yeah, this is my money. I need it to get home. Yeah, I, mm, <laughs> Do you want to do an mm, insight check? What is this face you're getting? Yeah. Intimidation. <laughs> is there like um can I can I roll like an annoyance check? I guess no, that'd I, be intimidation. I guess just like, I guess intimidation, yeah. To just Jeeva's Jeeva's yeah. weavers. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Just trying to pig his eyebrows, like what's nine. That? A nine. He says he he does a raspberry and says, You can't tell me what to do. What? <laughs> like, what are the laws here? Like, can I arrest? Like, do I? St- like, what's protocol here? Protocol? I mean, it's a kid who who picks someone's pocket. It's you don't have to like throw him in the bin or anything. It's a pretty giving community. Ring around the <laughs> around the paddy wagon. The guards here are are by and large very responsible. You'd, you'd have to be conscious of the fact that he's a kid. Sure. Um, and that this is like definitely misdemeanor level crime, but um, he is also just like counting those stacks. Is is <laughs> in the, front of you? <laughs> is the person he pickpocketed from still like within like shouting distance? You see, you didn't check that before, but you you think to now. Do a perception check. Sure. Looking around for this guy. Dirty twenty. Okay, yeah, he's nowhere to be found. You've cool. waited a little too long. I think if you if you could see him, it would be like eight blocks away mm. down the street at this point. Uh, okay. Um, listen, kid, you put me in a real pickle here, okay? Look, I, let me... I don't think that I have. I think this is my money and you're, you're going to leave me alone. I, like, lean down to this kid and I say, sure. look... It's been a hard day. It's been a hard month. Look, hey, you're a kid. You're a little guy. You like ice cream? He grabs the emerald given to you by Bitman Vaxelhide off your armor and he starts running the other direction. Hey, stop! <laughs> I just... <laughs> As I'm running after him, I'm like yeah. yelling out like the the fantasy Miranda rights. Okay, <laughs> like, cool. Yeah. You know, whatever the guards yeah, like, you have violated the laws sure. of the city of Melon and you do, are... Do an athletics check. Sure. Natural 20. <laughs> we Ooh. both got a natural 
Oh my goodness. Well, I have, what do you have? I have plus two athletics. Okay, That's so a twenty-two. You- all right, it's a it's a it's a battle like no other. They're racing <laughs> through the city, bobbing and weaving. Through oh yeah, people. someone's cart is like topsided over just from mm-hmm. like the speed that you two muster. But you do eventually Lucas catch up a to cool, like he runs and then like leaps and runs sideways on a wall to get past a crowd. Like, sure, it's sure. cool. It is pretty cool. Uh huh. Cool cop music is playing the whole time. Yeah, all set is all done. It's an awesome, awesome, awesome <laughs> chase. Um, so you catch him. You got him by the wrist. Hey, get give me that back. And I kind of like hold him up and sure, give him a shake. Out, uh, like three watches, two wallets, and an emerald fall out of him. Okay, I, I collect all of the stolen goods. Cool. Kid, do you do you know how much paperwork you've just put me through? Um, no. I don't know. Look, I don't know enough about paperwork. All right, that's, you know what? Good for you. Kid, why why are you stealing people's money? Because it's good for the economy. The, I don't, I'm a level with you. I don't think it is. But I'll, I'll be honest, I've got the feeling you don't know it's not. I, you don't come off like you really know. <laughs> Look, but, you know, there's something, there's something rewarding about earning an honest living, you know, instead of stealing people's money, you know? Uh, we've got, we've got a system in place. You work a job, you get paid. Get yourself a job. I have a job. It's... I'm like 11. There's child labor laws. Are there? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, you know, maybe you can deliver some papes, or, um, you know. I think you can huff my shorts. That's me. I'm Shorts McPoopy, and I'm going to keep robbing every day of my life. Because this guy, he is a real schmuck. Hey, Cab. All nights are bad. (laughs) (laughs) And he kicks you in the shin, and he runs. Oh, man. Ah, beans. (laughs) Uh, but he did get all the stuff, and he knows cool. how to turn that in. Yeah, yeah. it's not. Inc- this Bag is the most action you've seen. Evidence now. I'm yeah. this kid to yeah. court. <laughs> uh, everyone, keep an eye out for Shorts McPoopy. I'd like to get a, an arrest warrant out on Poopy McShorts. <laughs> <laughs> um, he goes by the criminal name Huff My Shorts. <laughs> I'm just. I know it's an audio medium. Every time I say something like that, I'm leaning into my chest as if I have a walkie-talkie there. Yeah. Do we have, like, stones of far speech that I'm like... Uh, not at your <laughs> level. Oh, not at your not issue to you. Okay. Not at your position. Hey, mm. maybe work the ladder. One day you can get there. Sure, yeah. yeah. Reach Great. the rank of... Can I, can I roll for a promotion? <laughs> well, so you're walking down the street, and who catches you kind of... Uh, walking back, because you've come a far away from your post mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, but it's actually uh, Savin Malenkov, who uh, who you recognize as part of the Circle of Trust, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the people in the general area. Uh, yeah. He kind of stops you in your tracks and says, I, I have to wonder what it is you're, you're doing around these parts. I mean, the last I checked, this was covered by by a good number of Gods, are you okay? You seem... Oh. You look out of breath. 
I'm I'm doing just well today, Mister Mister Malenkoff. Just um, keeping our city safe. I was uh, chasing down a, a ruffian and putting him to justice. So mm-hmm. just returning to my post. Well, that's good to hear. I'm surprised you didn't. It was a whole sort of chase scene. You should have seen it. It was. I should have. Yes. I was I was busy. I did a cool wall run. Oh, those are rather difficult. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So, um, what what brings you to this this part of our our, our fine city? Uh, well, uh, yeah, actually, in in ways you do. Do you want to walk and talk? Sure. Uh, you you walk and as you do, you feel your emerald like loosen up, just like from the fact that it was torn off. It kind of needs to be adjusted a little better. Mm-hmm. Falls to the ground. Uh, he picks it up and like observes it and hands it back to you. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry, I. Uh... Need to get this replaced. Uh, yes. Um, I know things have been difficult for you personally, although they've also been difficult for kind of everything. Yes. Uh, there's like a whizzing firework of magic uh, in the distance, and he kind of shakes his head. If you ever have something you need to get off your chest, uh, you can trust me. Uh, I know tensions are high, but they don't have to be. I can see you're a well-meaning individual. And if you tell me what's going on, and at this point it kind of stops you and like puts a hand on your shoulder, I'll do my best to help you. Lucas smiles at him. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Malenkoff. Uh, I, I appreciate the offer, and I, I will let you know if there's there's anything I need. But, um, you know, I think I think during these, these troubling times, it's nice to be... You know, on the streets helping people. Just doing my part. He gives a, a good big smile. <laughs> of course. Um, good then. Uh, you should know where to find me. I'll, I'll, I'll actually be stationed here for a while if you just come to the offices. Yada yada. Mm. Basically, he's, he's offered you a place to always come and talk to him if you need. Sure. Um, so, that night, <laughs> that <laughs> night in your bed, uh, you're trying to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. But you and it's it's super late now. You know it's been a long day. You did some running today. Yeah. You know they don't well, cut, ever do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't cut good training facilities for the town guards the same way they mm. did at the dungeoneering. Yeah. Like in dungeoneering, you had to do your treadmill hours. You yeah. Know? And over here, it's just not the same. And I've been eating all that ice cream, and that's definitely yeah. been weighing me down. <laughs> you know, go ahead and take minus one to your strength. Yeah. Then. Sure. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm kidding. You don't, you don't get out of shape in a fantasy <laughs> game. <laughs> It's escapism. Roll for calories. Uh, so you're laying in your bed, and you're looking up the ceiling, and you can faintly hear music. It gets louder and louder, and you try and figure out whether or not it's like in your head or not until it sounds like it's just outside the window behind your head. Uh, Lucas gets up and, uh, and uh, opens the window. You open the window, the music floods your room, and it's beautiful. The sounds are bright and colorful. It's got improvised melodies over many instruments, including clarinets and horns and strings, and pleasant but exciting harmony. Uh, so you look out, you see this miniature parade crossing an alleyway. Um, do a perception check for me here, which I've realized I ask you guys to do a lot of perception checks. Uh-huh. We're perceiving. 16. 16. Some of the instruments are floating. They have no musician. Uh, or at least their musicians are invisible. I guess that's up for you to kind of decide mm-hmm. which of those seems more likely. 
Um, but that's what's happening as they're floating, going down the alley. Uh, and then they turn a corner and seem to disappear into that alley. Uh, and this is just like a block away from your home. Uh, I think Lucas turns quickly, just like grabs his, his like belt with his sword yeah. and stuff. And is there like a fire escape or something? Yeah, out the, totally, yeah. totally a fire uh-huh. escape in this town, town home. Yeah. City, city housing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, uh, he, he, uh, heads out his window. Sure. So you, you pop down, you follow the source, you, you go to the alley, you'd still kind of hear the music. Um, so the guards that are kind of stationed around, and, like, no one's quite paid, like, he do yet. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not too weird for people to be going about. Um, the guards don't seem to be reacting to any sound of music at all. Uh, and then you see a passing family. And there's a young child, uh, maybe, like, 10 or 11, uh, with them. They're likely coming from, like, a late showing at a playhouse yeah. uh, nearby. They're walking by. And the child looks up into the air with, like, a confused face, uh, he asks his parents something, and they kind of shake their heads and are like, mm, I don't know. and then uh, they keep walking. And as they pass, and you know, he's a good like thirty feet away or whatever, but he looks right at you, or maybe through you, or right behind you. But it's definitely in your direction that this kid was like kind of perked up and like focused his his view there. And then he kind of walks out of out of immediate range. Is it poops make shorts? It's not poops okay. make shorts. This is a. This is a, a, a light-haired kid okay. with big buck teeth. Mm. And he just sort of gave me a, a strange look. Um, Yeah, or something, or something called something... his attention that way. Yeah. And mm. I think Lucas does a little like, huh? Yeah. And you looks over his shoulder. It's just a big brick wall, but it definitely feels like the music is emanating from right there. <laughs> um, As you do, a voice kind of, uh, and maybe this kind of jolts you and makes you look behind you, but like, this voice comes right from the wall. It says... There's a great deal of joy in here. You want in? Lucas kind of does like a, a double take around the 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 streets to make sure there's no other like city guards around. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, and kind of says, "Yes, that's all you need to say." And then uh, a pair of hands grab you by the shoulders, protruding from the wall, and they pull you through. <laughs> And you find yourself either transported or just like the wall was an illusion. Either way, you're in a beautiful room. It's filled with golden light as all sorts of folks are dancing and singing and musical instruments are in uh, equal parts played by people or by individual musicians all over the air. Uh, in the center, in illustrious robes, is a man who you know to be a man of legends. Uh, there's only one possible culprit for this display of magical musicianship. It's Johnny Baltimore. <laughs> uh, yeah, so a banner behind him reads Johnny Baltimore and this hexy band. And your understanding here is that like this is like a magical music parlor, basically, just like filled with fun. Uh, so the masses, I'll, I'll keep describing the room. Mm-hmm. Um, the masses consist mostly of what looks like adventurous folk, you know. Uh, either they're, there's like kind of two groups. There's those who are wearing like brilliant colors and they're singing like they've spent every night here. Uh, and then there's the people who are a little more common looking. Um, and it's, some of them you actually recognize from today. They, they haven't like quite noticed you, but you recognize people that you saw just like walking down the street. Um, and they look like a little uncomfortable to be there, but they seem to be growing in enjoyment. And some of them are like kind of experiencing a lot of this stuff for the first time. 
uh, this dangerous pastime. And looking around, uh, one thing you do notice is there's not a ward in sight. It seems that everyone here, even like the adults that you saw, uh, were, were not warded in any way. They, they would be like non-hexy adults. And I, I think as Lucas is, is entering this room, he is, as he is scanning it, he is mm-hmm. scanning it from still the the mindset of he's a town guard. Yeah. And so I think like he notices the lack of the the the. Uh, yeah. You just said the word ward. The ward. Yeah. That's the one. The ward. The brand. And you the, could also yeah, call it, yeah. The brand and you know the the magic throughout the room is not. He's not seeing it in amazement. He's seeing it as like a. Oh, that's a code violation kind yeah. of thing. Like, okay. that's kind of where his mind is at as he is sort of cautiously making his way into this this space. Sure. So cautiously roll, like, like in a deception check, I think, sure. to try and shell, sell mm-hmm. uh, how conspicuously you're, you're scoping. That's a 22. Okay, so you make it a good deal through the door. There are some people who have, like, started to recognize you and they're, like, piecing it together, being in pajamas, so, like... They don't quite get the idea that you're a guard yet. <laughs> um, but people are enjoying this drink. Someone offers you a drink. Someone who's just like flying by says, Oh, can I can I get you a drink? Uh, uh, water will be all right for me. Okay. I mean, sure. Stay hydrated. But do you also like want a drink or something? Um, I'll... Like, I'll give you both. Love water here, but... Um, what, what, um... Purest water in Milan. I'll, I'll just stick with the water, thank you. Hey, Frisco! And uh, she looks over to a uh, water genasi uh, who leans over, and you've never seen this before, but he just points his finger at an empty glass, and it fills with pure-looking, beautiful water uh, and is sent to you via a levitating hand. Oh, thank, thank, thank you. You drink the water, and, like, so, so I guess this is, like... Genasi juice. It's Genasi juice. I'm sorry, you died. <laughs> no, it's uh, water purification uh, without means of magic in this world is, like, very difficult. Uh, you probably had a good amount of it in the Dungeoneering building, but, like, as far as, like, in the city for commoners, it's pretty hard to come by. But this stuff is pristine. You never had such a good glass of water. I think Lucas is, like, a little, like, he, he like, checks around, like, before he drinks this magic water. He gives a little, like... <laughs> Yeah, sure. Just like, and a little like, you know, it's, holds it up to his eye and like shakes the yeah. glass to well, like clean. check it. It's clean. Okay. Uh, someone sees that though, and they, they start piecing it together. It's someone that you, not anyone you recognize in specific for like what they did, but someone mm-hmm. who sees you as a guard. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, they point and they go, oh fuck. They go, worm! And then immediately like, there's like a bit of chaos and music. Stops all of it. The room falls silent, and people like turn towards you. Lucas sees where everyone's looking, and turns and look. What? 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 What are we <laughs> looking behind you? Yeah. Okay. No, like, and I- I'm not selling. I think Lucas is genuinely like he is oh, full sure, body sure. turned around, and he's like, "What are we looking at?" Um, Johnny slowly and just beautifully, confidently steps towards you uh, until he gets pretty close to you and he says, All eyes are on you. Oh. Um. Is it... Is it because I only ordered a water? He... A smile breaks super hard on him. He's already smiling, but, like, this is, like, a big knowing smile. He does, like, on his heels, he does a big turn. He says... 
There's no need to be afraid, friends. Our music is magical and can only pierce the hexy who never got branded. So, unless you are doubting the magic of the music, you need to start thinking. I mean, uh, you know, these are the lucky folk who lay dormant long enough, or those of us who opted out as he kind of like waves his hand, shows no brand, and people kind of applaud at that. He goes, all right, now, son, what's your name? Uh, Lucas. And I think, I mean, Lucas at this point, like, this information he just got makes no sense to him. Sure, yeah. Because, I mean, he's staring down at his hand because he is Brandon. Yeah. So. And Johnny, he's smiling. He looks at your hand and his smile drops. And he's about to say something until there's an explosion at one of the walls. It bursts into uh, flame. People are screaming. It's erupted into chaos. The music didn't even get to start again after your first kind of interruption, mm -hmm. uh, which is, like, rather unfortunate. But more unfortunate are the four cloaked men on horses entering the magical parlor. Uh, they don't quite look like syndicate members, and they aren't part of anything that you would recognize from either the knights or the crownsmen, but they do look powerful. Um, they... They bust in on each of their hoods is kind of an image of a cloud, like a, like a symbol that you've never seen before. Uh, and they begin lashing out with their hands, using magic, throwing people instantly. Like six civilians are picked up and thrown into a small prison cart, which looks like an official kind of Maylon prison cart that sits just outside the building. It's absolute chaos. And you're in the middle of it. So Petra, um, you had spent a little time in Tick Terry, uh, doing some dungeons and stuff, you know, you got some good stuff, but now you're once again due for some more trading with Randall. Uh, you have a small, quickly assembled room in this nude hideout by now, uh, and you're right now alone, uh, except for yourself and Hinkelmeyer. And as you understand, kind of part of today's training is getting to know your buddy. So, is Hinklemeyer your last name or your first name? Oh, well, everyone just calls me Hinklemeyer. Is your, like, first name Hinkle and your last name Meyer? Well, our, our, my real name is Bergerson Hinklemeyer. That's a mouthful. I can understand Bergerson why. Hinkelmeyer. Yeah, I'm saying, like, I can understand why people would just call you Hinkelmeyer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, I suppose you can read all of my thoughts and such. Yeah. So, so I know nothing... you pretty good. Yeah, so it doesn't feel fair. No, guess not, but... Mm. That's life, I guess. Isn't uh, it? I wouldn't know at this point. I feel like I wouldn't know either. Um, Damn, that was deep. <laughs> um, I don't feel much as a ghost, but that was deep. Thank you. Maybe I should write poetry. Maybe. I won't. How'd you die? I know uh, that's a little, um, a little blunt, but I figured if you'll stick with me, then should get to know each other. I can still remember it like it was just yesterday. Uh, and then you essentially fall asleep and you enter a dream state. Mm -hmm. You are dreaming from the perspective of Hinkelmeyer. Uh, he's sprinting through what looks like burned houses. 
uh, in kind of this big open field. It looks like a battlefield of sorts. Um, you don't know too much, or you don't know like too much firsthand about how the infantry level of the syndicate operates, uh, but you do understand that sometimes it's just like battles like this where they're just trying to cause chaos somewhere. But this definitely looks like a pretty intense one. Uh, he's dodging arrows in the air as he makes his way to like something that you instantly just recognize as his best friend. Um, his best friend is like like waving for him to come, and he's got like like this big wound on him. And he uh, Hinkelmeyer pulls out his medical kit, and he's just just like doing some quick sewing and all of that, trying to trying to get it together. Um, in the meantime, he's like caught right in the shoulder by an arrow. Because uh, he can't, like, quite get cover enough to, like, safely do the medical practices he needs to do, you know? So he's still, like, kind of open to getting shot. Uh, but he kind of, like, bears it out again, cracks off the end of the arrow, throws it on the ground. And his buddy's like, dude, what are you doing, man? Just get back. It's not that big a deal. And Hinkelmeyer says, no, man, I'm not going to let you go. And then he finishes the procedure um, just enough to where his buddy would be safe. Uh, and then Hinkelmeyer's eyes close, and he falls. <laughs> Hinkelmeyer? Yeah. I'm Don't speechless. ask me how I ended up in the pond, though. I, I don't know what happened between these events. Yeah. I think my blood, like, seeped through the ground and then probably dripped in. That's a theory. <laughs> or maybe my body was dumped there. I don't know. Hmm. I only started being a ghost once I was there, though. So I, I. But well, my point is, I don't think about that, or don't think about any of it. This is personal. I, I'm just, I, I'm speechless. That was so beautiful. Well, I guess even villains have a soft spine. Hmm. I wish I had a, a. a Friendship like that. He kind of he he's like tilts his head and is like kind of clearly looking at your friendship bracelet. It's like he's he's more like a pet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you just new you, character trait for Petra. Absolutely <laughs> brutal. He's so, you just you just pet zoned Billy and Boom Boom Hour. No, I, 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 I suppose that I we could one day have a beautiful friendship, but I just I don't. I don't What's stopping you? I I feel like it's hard for me to be to be vulnerable enough with people to actually establish that kind of relationship. Well. You're gonna have to be vulnerable one day. Although I guess it doesn't mean too much coming from me. It's my vulnerability, like literal sense of vulnerability, killed me with arrows. Yeah, but do you regret that? No. Exactly. Lucas is a flush. Of, of chaos, mm -hmm. everything that's going down here. Uh, Johnny Baltimore is a powerful guy, mm -hmm. and he like is kind of immediately able to like get a lot of people away. Uh, but eventually, he kind of has to ditch the scene, even himself. And people are kind of left just like running. Um, what is your plan? Um, okay, so 
Just let me just make sure I have it all correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these, these cloaked figures burst through the wall. Just through the wall. With yeah. a, like a prison cart kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they start like scooping people up. Essentially magically scooping. With with magic. Yeah. Okay. Um I think I think Lucas is kind of frozen at first. Okay. And then when Johnny Baltimore has to fall back, I think Lucas like follows after him. Sure. Like, because this guy seems to know what he's talking about, and I think Lucas needs answers right now. Um, there's just an instant that it's available to you, but uh -huh. he's opened up a small portal in the back of the room that he's, like, having people jump in, and he was jumping in as well. He can do, like, an acrobatics check. Sure. Unless he can think of something else for it, to just try and get in there last minute. Yeah, I, I will roll that acrobatics. You said acrobatics? Yeah. 14? 14. Uh, you're you're mid-air and you've got the feeling that that might not be enough to cut it. Okay. Um. If only had a character had like a feature with which you could... Yes. No, but I'm trying to... I'm thinking. I... Okay. Uh, Lucas is... As he's like running across the room kind mm -hmm. of dodging tentacles and fallen over glass and I think he Whoa, what who brought the tentacles? What are they scooping him up with? Magic. I don't know. Magical I'm imagining aura. like inky like I don't know, that's the heavy. I mean maybe one of the hex you're fighting back with tentacles. Okay, I'll give sure, you that. That's sure. that's okay. definitely there. I didn't dislike the tentacles. Okay. I just wanted to know who sure. brought it into the narrative. When I, I was excited. Okay. I was like, damn, let's talk about the tentacles. Um, no, they're being they're being scooped up by either like giant phantasmal hands. Mm -hmm. Or like just 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 straight up like spectral energy in okay. like big sweepy kind of translucent waves. Sure. Um, tentacle. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Uh, I I probably will use lucky to reroll that. But also as Lucas is sort of running across the mm -hmm. room, dodging stuff, he's like looking at this portal and he sees Johnny Baltimore through it, and he's just like in his brain, just going like. Like, hold that portal, hold that portal, hold that portal, and on kind of, when it seems to start to close, something about the last, like, hold that portal seems different, and something in, in Lucas's mind feels like maybe Johnny actually got that message. Okay. That, that message. message. I fucking got it, yeah. Yeah, cool. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, use your lucky point. Reroll. Yes. Okay, well that's worse. So that was a ten. The first one was. And a I think 14. you do have to take it though. The reroll. No, you. Can no, it's that. It, you can choose it. It, oh. it works like advantage. Okay, cool. Well, okay. So he, you're getting there, and you can see him through the other side, and he like kind of blinks his eyes a little bit, and he purses his lips and goes, hmm, no, uh, and <laughs> closes, and you fall on the ground, and then a new portal opens up, and you fall directly onto your bed. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> huh. So you're home safe and you don't you don't feel like tracked or anything. Okay. Um, and you look you look over to the building right where all kind of went down and you see mm -hmm. there's just a cart being driven away with all four horsemen. Uh headed off into the distance on horseback. Huh. Uh I think Huh. Uh, Lucas is very confused about what just went down, um, so I think he just 
takes his belt back off and <laughs> sits, Calls the night. sits down at his desk and starts like writing in his journal, trying to piece together what just happened. Cool. Because uh, uh, he just... I mean, he just teleported, yeah, which is did. not something Lucas has ever done. That's new, isn't it? That's, that's in a it. fun new thing. In it? In it. <laughs> uh, huh. Lucas falls asleep, drilling on his paper with a pen in his hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have a brief dream. I won't go too much into it because uh, I think I can summarize it. The dream is about uh, fire raining down on my lawn from above. Uh, you're running around the market square trying to find safety, trying to help people. You're not sure at that point. Uh, there's a shop that's just been hit by a blast from the skies, and there's a young woman who's nearly crushed from the debris. She calls out, Help! And then you wake up. Lucas sits up in, in bed. Another, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's been a weird 24 hours. Fun. It was very casual. Yeah, I like that. that was, you know what that was? That was big worser pod energy. Yeah. I'm like, man, I wish I could get more. <laughs> <laughs> if you liked that, check out worser pod. Yeah, uh-huh. Hey, it's Lucas of Worser Adventures. Let's get back to the adventure. Let those cantrips fly. <laughs> yeah, fucking dead. Petra Parity. Can I get sneak attack on that? <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, it's me, Grumulon. I was the troglodyte in the first dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's me, J.K. the Courier. Captain <laughs> Cheerio got a letter to deliver. Oh god. To deliver. I'm British. <laughs> We're just gonna have to have like a character's welcome welcome outro for every uh-huh. episode. We just put this stuff in the end. Okay, okay.